You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts, so this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast. This is episode 76, and we are finishing out our race month with the film that I think most people adore, Talladega Nights. Who doesn't like Talladega Nights? I'm sure there's people I'm sure there's somebody, Somebody, but I feel like they're a minority. When When I told people we were doing this movie, it was usually met with praise and excitement. You know, this is probably my favorite Will Ferrell movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Elf? It's a close one. That's pretty tough. Had to make you think for a second. Yeah, you did. Well, this one came out in 2006. It was written by Will and his partner, Adam Kay, and Adam directed it. It stars Will Ferrell as the infamous Ricky Bobby, John C. Riley as Cal Nottington. Naughton? Maybe Naughton. I think it's Naughton. Yes. Sasha Bear Cohen, Gary Cole, Michael Clark Duncan, Leslie Bibb, Jane Lynch, Amy Adams... Andy Richter, Molly Shannon, Greg German. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, I never knew if it was German or German, but let's go with German. And David Koechner. And when I saw David Koechner plays a character called Herschel, (laughs) but when I first saw it, I thought it was like himself. You know how they list. And I was like, David Koechner plays himself in this? But I I misread. Whammy! Yeah. (laughs) So, as you would expect, a lot of the filming locations were in North Carolina, at the Talladega Speedway, let's see, the Lowe's Motor Speedway in North Carolina. I think a lot of different Carolina Speedways stood in for other infamous Speedways, but I guess Talladega being in the title, it was probably prominently featured. I know somebody, hopefully a listener, shout out if Shirley's listening, who lives within 20 miles of the Talladega Speedway. Well, looky there. The synopsis for this film, courtesy of IMDb, is number one NASCAR driver Ricky Bobby stays atop the heap thanks to a pact with his friend and teammate Cal Naughton Jr. But when a French Formula One driver makes his way up the ladder, Ricky Bobby's talent and devotion are put to the test. Let's see, we got four taglines for you to choose from. The first one is the story of a man who could only count to number one. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) All right. What do you think about no one can handle the curves, the speed, the heat like Ricky Bobby? That's pretty standard. If you're not first, you're last. That's the best. Yeah. No breaks, no brain. Also funny, but because it's used in the film, if you're not first, you're last. I think that's the one. That's your favorite? Yeah, yeah. Wait, over the story of a man who can only count to one? Yeah, I mean, that's a funny joke, but I think when it comes to summarizing the movie, the tagline, right, if you're not first, you're last, I think that's, that's that, to me, okay. is the winner. All right. Well, Mike, why don't you kick us off with the pickup line for Talladega Nights? Guess how fast I'm going now. <laughs> now, there's also, there's a title card at the beginning, which I also want to bring up as an honorable mention. It says, America is all about speed. Hot, nasty, badass speed. Eleanor Roosevelt, 1936. <laughs> now... I don't believe Eleanor Roosevelt actually said that. Not that we're calling Dirty Sanchez less than a documentary production company, but I don't think that was actually said. You're, by you're not Eleanor. buying it. No, but it's a good line. It's a good line. Now, I don't know if you're going to discuss this in your driving review. Right. But the opening scene is basically Ricky Bobby's birth. Correct. Jane Lynch plays his mother. Mm-hmm. She is in the back seat. She's the pregnant one. Yes. Sitting on the, what I would call, 
the passenger side of the car, the right side of the car if you're in, in the car. Right, bench seat, but she's on the right. Yes. And she is sitting sideways with her legs towards the driver's side of the car. Sure. So opposite what, how you would traditionally, 90 degrees from how you would traditionally sit in a car seat. This is correct, sure. Okay. And her then husband, played by Gary Cole, is driving and she's in active labor. Mm-hmm. And he seems to not <laughs> be as attuned to the labor emergency as he is enjoying driving, using this as an opportunity to drive fast. Right. And he even, I think, utters, I just want to go fast or something, which then becomes like Ricky Bobby's tagline. Right. Okay, so the gag is, I think, does he pull up to the hospital? No, the he goes flying past the hospital at over 100 miles an hour because he's more concerned about his speed than getting her to the hospital. Okay, and when he slams on the brakes, mm-hmm. there's an exterior from the car, mm-hmm. and we hear a thud <laughs> and a baby cry, right. meaning that his braking and coming to a sudden stop shot the baby out. Correct. But I... I have a problem with this because the baby, that's not where the force would be coming because she was sitting sideways. If she was sitting like, let's say, in the front seat facing forward, it makes more sense that when he came to an abrupt stop... It really would. Now, perhaps the director would say there was a deleted scene where Jane spins around and puts a heel up on each side of one of the front seats. But even if she was pointed down range, I'm not sure that the braking would be enough to dislodge the baby. Right. And like you said, this, the, the, what is it, Dirty Sanchez? Yeah, I thought that was the name of their production company. Right. It should not be used or considered in any way. <laughs> yeah, and not accurate to the physics involved. Okay. Uh, there are some other parts that will be covered in the driving review where perhaps the physics was malleable a bit for them for Hollywood purposes, right? To make it interesting. But it is, I, I actually think that that whole segment really tells you what you're in for for this film, right? <laughs> it's it's kind of silly. Like It doesn't bear a lot of resemblance to reality, but it's just a good ride. All right. All right. Fair enough. So before we start, or before we get into the meat of the movie, I just want to make a comment about the casting in this movie. I mean, they got some pretty good hitters. Yeah. My, of course, love Molly Shannon as Greg German's wife, the owner of the team, his most often intoxicated (laughs) wife. Right. And I loved it because at one point investors are coming in and he's, of course, (laughs) wanting to impress the investors. And she just starts kissing them on the mouth. (laughs) As you would. (laughs) That's how you get investment. (laughs) Right. So I just love Molly Shannon. But that being said, John C. Riley is very funny. Leslie Bibb is awesome as Ricky Bobby's blonde, stereotypical kind of groupy wife. Right. I think because of her physique, her comedy is often underrated. But I think Leslie Bibb is a very funny comedic actor. She is. She is. Well, we were watching something the other day. She was in it. She was in the Falcone McCarthy movie about where he he's a... Oh, the uh, God's messenger or whatever. Yeah. She plays a, a, like a bad person there, but in a very funny kind of way. I thought she was in something that we just watched oh, this yeah, week. Oh, yeah, probably. She works yeah. a lot. I was she's just saying, amazing. She, she's quite funny. 
Very funny. All right. So on to cinematography. I only have one note because I don't think that this, this is a film that really they were, I mean, it looks good. It's fine. But I don't think they were trying to do anything artistic here, let's say. Right. This is a case where you want the cinematography to get out of the way, basically. You don't want that to be a thing that people, I mean, because this is just a, this is a comedy. And I bet that, you know, professional DPs have a certain style that they shoot for comedy that I, I would think it was, you, you know, it's, it's again, it's not distracting, right? right? You don't go really artsy with that. And my two notes on cinematography are really kind of on that border between um, cinematography and maybe post-processing. One was, was the cougar visual effects or did they actually put a cougar in the car? <laughs> no, it was totally visual. <laughs> okay. And then the other was, there was a great scene where they do the overlay of the American flag waving over yes. Ricky Bobby celebrating, which was very fun. But again, I I don't know if that would really technically qualify as cinematography because I think that's probably done in post. Editing, yeah. My only one, which I guess could be post-processing, was there's the wedding photos. I think Mm. it's of Ricky Bobby and Carly Bobby. It was their wedding and you noted that they they had the red eye in their wedding Oh, yeah, that was rolled at one Which was just a subtle little kind of like, look at what hicks these guys are. However, now now that we talk about this, I actually want to take that back. There is one more part of cinematography that I really appreciate because I don't know exactly what they did, but the first time we ever see Carly, she's in a crowd shot, but the last yes. two times I've watched this film, my eye is drawn to her immediately. So however they shot it, they did so in a fashion that draws the viewer's eye to the one character you need to see. Right. I think she is pretty central and I think she's showing a couple of her assets. So I think that that is why our well, eyes are drawn to her. Uh, yeah, I think we get to see she's more of her assets a little bit later. But yeah, it, it may have been the way they blocked the shot. Who knows? But I just wanted to give them credit because mm-hmm. that was, you know, a, you're introducing a character in a crowd scene that is difficult. Mm-hmm. For writing, I have a few things, but one of them that I loved is just, it's, this is such a Will Ferrell thing. His first race, he wins and... He's being, or no, maybe, no, he didn't win. He was just in it. And, but he was like a late addition. The team would have been, yeah. you know, out if he didn't. So they're interviewing him because of that. And he just <laughs> is this awkward. And, and he's like talking with his hands and he has his hands up by his head and stuff. And he just, he whispers kind of to the commentator. And he goes, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with my hands. And the guy goes, just leave him down by your side. And he's like, oh, okay. But then like a second later, yeah. they're just like, it's almost like he's trying to be like the worst hand model, <laughs> modeling something near his face. Because right. he just keeps playing around with his hands on his face. It's pretty so silly. This is interesting because I would say that spirit is also seen in Elf. And this is Will Ferrell, I think, at his funniest. He's not a stand-up comedian. I don't think he's funny as as funny when he's trying to be funny. It's more this, like you said, awkward kind of, like almost a childlike yes. nature of, I don't know how to behave in this situation. And so he's doing a thing that I think we probably all feel like we understand, right? That sense of what do I do with my hands? I feel like this is a common experience. Maybe it's just to me and Ricky Bobby. But like if you meet new people, let's say a social setting, what do you do with your hands, <laughs> right? <laughs> like you get up in your head, you're like, do I put them in pockets? Do I, do I cross my arms? Do I, you know, make finger puppets? What do I do? <laughs> I need to start putting in my notes 
who says these things because I have these silly quotes. Oh, yeah. But now I can't remember. Right. I have one. I keep snapping back to it. It's like a trick you have on me. (laughs) I think Ricky said that, but I can't remember the context. Possibly so. Yeah, there are some very good lines in here. Someone didn't love you enough when you were little, did they? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. But I can't remember. Uh, oh, now I, I had it for a second there, but yes, <laughs> that's pretty good. I, oh, I think somebody said it to his dad. Yeah, I think I think you're right. But there's one here that I don't think was unique to this film. I think they captured, but I just love, I wake up in the morning and piss excellence, right? <laughs> that just sounds like the thing that every football coach ever says right. like, to the team, right? But I also like, shut up, you little pot liquor. I'll put you in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> just, okay, now I awesome. gotta throw in. All right, Professor Dickweed. <laughs> yeah, there's another. It's like a, such a uh, what eleven eleven year old boy thing to say. Oh, the professor part because I've called people Dickweed in the last week. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, putting professor in front of it. That was the thing that, that took it over the edge. But probably one of my favorites has got to be. This sticker is dangerous and inconvenient, but I do love Fig Newtons. <laughs> no, that one was really good. It's just the absurdity of yes. all the different sponsors and that they the only place left is the windscreen. And that's where yeah. they put it. That That oh. is just so awesome. Oh, that was a good one. All right. <laughs> Any other writing gems or, you know, like if Adam McKay and Will were here, what would you say to to boost their ego a little bit? Well, uh, what, my, my last quote is also a very good one. And now the matador will dance with the blind shoemaker. <laughs> Like, it just, just made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Now, I have to say but that... But spoken with the gravitas, like, it really is an important moment. Oh, yeah. This is kind of like a, a borderline with couldn't be made today yeah. department. There was a couple in this movie. Yeah, they use uh, the R word, and uh, they also have quite a few references to a male anatomical part in a particular state of of being Mm -hmm. that, you know, I, again, I think it's funny in a comedic sense, but so I'm not sure that both of those things maybe would, would, uh, would go over as well today, but it is kind of a blue comedy. I didn't check if it was, I assumed it was R, but is it PG-13? Because I don't remember any of the F word. It is PG-13. Okay, yeah. Which I believe Step Brothers is, because I listened to a podcast mom, and I think she saw that Step Brothers was PG-13, and so she watched it with her tween twins and was, like, didn't get past, like, 20 minutes. It was pretty mortifying, but once again, a Will Ferrell movie. Step Brothers, I don't remember it being that that offensive, but I, I, I'm going to have to uh, insert a little bit here. This is local color for people who live in the Portland area. We have a theater called Hollywood Theater, and in one of their emails, it says they, they don't necessarily endorse the viewpoint of the films they show, and they say, if you have concerns about the content, check doesthedogdie.com, which is one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. And I think it's called With Kids in Mind or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And that one is really far over the top. And I thought it was hilarious that, that that was listed. And I think for fun, maybe I should go look and see what does With Kids in Mind think of this film? Because oh, I'm guessing a- they're going to hate it. No, it's like those funny Amazon reviews. Oh, I yeah. Think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the comedic writing in this is very good. Again, if you like Will Ferrell movies, like old school, I mean, Elf is very family oriented compared to this one. There's various and sundry things. It's a PG-13 film with a little bit of a kind of racy sense of humor. I, I think it works extremely 
incredibly well because this is Will Ferrell, but just, you know, FYI. Right. Is there any other writing or editing that you would like to discuss before I move on to costuming? Let's go ahead and go to costuming. Okay. So, of course, everybody was wearing a race suit. That's to be seen. But oftentimes, when Will was having trouble with his feeling words... (laughs) He would strip down to his tidy whities And there's something about a traditional tidy whitey on a grown man. And especially if they're like a little bit loose, like not so tight. Right. Yeah. It's there's something humorous about it. Yes. Especially if I guess they're running around like having a pretending to be on fire. Yeah. So from the production standpoint, often in movies when gents are in underpants, they have a technique that I call double bagging. Right. And in this case, we can tell that Will is not double bagged for that scene. Yes, he is not. That is just Will in his underpants. And but like I said, they're a little loose, yes? They are. And I made a note, did he supply his own tidy whities? <laughs> that to me looks like actual worn to the set underpants and they're loose because they're old and they've kind of you know gone through the wash a bunch of times the elastic is loose yeah you're right that's what makes it funny if they were pristine fresh right out of the package not nearly as funny that's pretty good now by the way this is the category of not realistic they do wear these nomex and now they have different materials as well undergarments to help with in case of fire yeah we've spoken of them on previous episodes we have and i don't believe that they Haynes makes fire safe underwear. Now, if they were cotton, they wouldn't be as bad as if they were synthetic fiber. But it is my understanding that the gents do not wear, you know, your Fruit of the Looms underneath their, their racing. However, uh, that probably would have taken it straight into the R category if he'd run around in the full Monty. So... We probably had to at least throw a little something on him. A little something. I also appreciated his Crystal Gale t-shirt that he wore. <laughs> yeah. A lot of young listeners are not going to know who in the world Crystal Gale is, but look her up. She was a very good singer, and her trademark, I would say, is her extremely long hair. Yes, yes. I believe it went down to, like, her, at least, like, her, like the back of her knee. Yeah, it was, it was at least waist. Yeah, it was very, very long. Years of, of work. I also liked, from the costuming, they put Reese Bobby, his father, played by Gary Cole, mm-hmm. in a members-only jacket. And again, our younger listeners won't get that reference. But for a few years there in the early 80s, those were super cool. And I think then then they disappeared. They plummeted in popularity. And of course, there's the trope of, if we put Amy Adams in glasses, then she won't be seen as the pretty girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the nerdy turn to a swan. Also, I will say... Something I didn't notice the first N minus one times I watched this film, but I watched noticed this time, both Ricky Bobby and Cal Naughton, their helmets are wrong. They've actually made the opening much larger so you can see oh. their entire face when they're acting. Wow. Which, of course, kind of removes the whole point of the helmet remaining stationary on your head to protect it in an impact. But that's not important right not now. Right it was now. good for movie making. Shut up, Mike. <laughs> yeah, shut up, Mike. And my last bit of the costume, although this is maybe closer to makeup, I was questioning whether they put something like just like a, a rolled up thing of cotton behind Will's lower lip to look like maybe he had some chaw in there. Because I felt like his lower lip sticked out a lot more than, than you would normally see on a Will Ferrell. How funny, because I wouldn't think of him. I would think of John C. Riley's character being more of the tobacco chewer than yes, Ricky. Yeah. yeah, that was just the, But it's also he had the little soul patch bit of hair, so maybe that's threw off my depth perception. Every time I say Ricky Bobby, I think of one of our kids caught a little garter snake and named it Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Which I thought was a great name. 
Yeah, because he went fast. I want to go fast. <laughs> Was there head trauma in Talladega Nights? Okay, none that we saw, but Superfan RJ may call me to test, so I'm going to say that there are two possible abilities. One is the scene we talked about very first. When he's born in the car, there is a thump. <laughs> And it's possible, since many babies are born head first, that uh, little Ricky Bobby did take some head That trauma. could explain a lot. Though. It really could. <laughs> a- as well as his father. And the other is, when he rolls his Wonder Bread number 26, it, it is possible in there there was some head trauma. We didn't see it, but it's possible. Right. That was such what we call a Simpsons scene that I did not <laughs> pick up on the fir- the other times yeah, I yeah, watched this I movie so. is the two cars and I do not know because it didn't look looped but these two cars just roll and roll and roll and roll and I don't know how they did that. That was a, f- a feat I'm sure and well done. I assumed it was CGI but who knows. Yeah because it, it had to have been. Yeah but it was funny because in the movie they even cut to like commercial in the broadcast Yeah. And they come back from commercial and the cars are still rolling. Still rolling. Ah, So funny. That was so funny. Yeah, well done. All right. Let's see. A smooch? Smoochy, smoochy, smoochy. Do we get a smooch? Uh, There is. Well, I think there are a couple of smoochies, but the first most eponymous one is when Carly kisses Ricky Bobby. I forgot to write down the time code. Sorry, super fan, RJ. All right. And now for what might be a lengthy driving (laughs) review. I, I don't actually know if it's going to be all that lengthy, but well, we'll see where we get. maybe the whole episode can be considered the driving. Right. So first first of all, Reese Bobby is driving a Chevy Malibu, right? Reasonable car. He talks about reaching over 100 miles an hour, which I think is, is certainly feasible, given the engines available in that era, perhaps in a straight line. Sure, I could buy that. There's a part where he kind of goes a little bit off-roading when he gets thrown out of Ricky Bobby's school on Parents' Day. I'm not sure that's the best thing to do for your suspension to go right over the island in the road, but okay, again, I can I can live with that. Same car throughout the entire film. So credit to Reese Bobby for keeping his classic, even when he's pretty down and out. We see him in. Uh, I was just going to say it may have been a financial decision, not a <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it points to that. But first, uh, first real driving that we see. I, I mean, yeah, they, they have Gary Cole, but in that scene, we really don't see a lot of exterior driving. The first that we see is when little Ricky Bobby steals his mom's station wagon at the convenience store. And that was some pretty good stunt driving, both for whoever was driving the station wagon as well as the other stunt drivers. And I was very curious because it did look like there was an eight-year-old boy behind the wheel. So I'm kind of curious how they did that. I, I don't know if they found like a really diminutive stunt driver. Could they... Could they? Could you create a remote-controlled large car? You certainly could. I know that in the original Herbie the Love Bug movies, they put the stunt driver behind the driver's seat so he could kind of crouch down and he wouldn't be as obvious in the shots. So maybe that's how they did. But that was awesome stunt driving. Now, again, coming back to this isn't the most realistic film. This isn't a documentary about NASCAR. There's a scene where, spoiler alert, Ricky Bobby's car ends up backward and he puts it into reverse and then races to the finish line. Okay, so these cars have one reverse gear and it is almost always a very, very short gear. Sometimes it's even shorter than first gear. So like one to one. You're never going to be able to go <laughs> as 
fast as a car <laughs> in fourth gear in your reverse gear. Okay, so, but it was it was a funny, funny joke. And speaking of fourth gear, at one point, and I didn't, didn't pause this, it would have increased the pause count and I would know for sure, but at one point, they show the inside of the vehicle and NASCAR cars, all of them back then, this is before the 2022 new cars, they had what we call an H-pattern gear shifter. Mm-hmm. First, second down, then over to third and fourth. And the shift knob looks like it has a fifth gear on it. And I don't believe that NASCAR regulations allowed you to have a fifth overdrive gear at that point in time. Look at that attention to detail, folks. <laughs> I will say that when there are some of the shots of the Wonder Bread number 26 rolling, it looks really realistic. Sometimes when they do this practically, they've really taken a lot out of the car to make it lighter and also put stuff under there to allow the mortar to flip it over and things like that. And you can see that when it's rolling, but in this case, it looks pretty darn realistic. So if it's done practically, congrats. And if it's done uh, CGI, they good attention to detail. One thing that bumped me, speaking of attention to detail, is the lettering on the front of the ambulance is not reversed. Oh. Normally, they put ambulance backwards, so when you look in your rear, you can see it's an ambulance. Yeah. Although, presumably, the flashing lights and and the van-looking thing would probably be a good good clue. I will say, Ricky has poor driving. He does not look where he's going. Once he starts delivering things, he just smashes into things, including a police officer, which is a good way to lose your license. I think that's a realistic part of the film. The last little bit of driving, though, is when Ricky kind of gets his his mojo back by running from the police because he's smuggling Lucky Charms. Right. He does a really nice Rockford turn, so congrats to the the driver for that one. (laughs) Rockford turn. I like it. Shall we go to the numbers? Let's go to the numbers. Okay. Before we do that, because this is partially about kind of the numbers, I thought this little bit of trivia was interesting and I wanted to share it with you all. Wonder Bread, Old Spice, and Perrier were not charged for their product placement in the movie. Wow. Old Spice and Wonder Bread promoted the movie through back-end deals, (laughs) while Perrier was not required to take any action despite its presence in the movie. In addition, Farrell showed up to many public appearances in his Wonder Bread uniform at no additional charge to the company. (laughs) Other products placement shown in the movie were Powerade, Coca-Cola, Domino's, Nextel, NASCAR, Vaveline, Budweiser, Lowe's, Ford, Sprint, Applebee's, Goodyear, and as previously mentioned, Fig Newton. <laughs> the sticker's dangerous and inconvenient. <laughs> uh, I just thought that was kind of interesting because we know a lot of movies... That is pretty awesome. ...will usually take the opportunity, but in this one, I wonder if people are just like, uh, no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought you might say that Perrier was a little upset that they got associated with Jean Girard. Jean Girard. Yeah. Alrighty. This film came out in 2006 and its budget was $73 million. Wow. That's a big budget for a Dirty Sanchez joint. They did well. Worldwide, it produced 2.2 times that, coming in $162.8 million. So just shy of 163. And domestically, $148 million made up that worldwide number. So they did pretty good. It got a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Oh, that's low. That is pretty low. But as we've said, 71% of critics liked it. And just about the same, 73% of audiences liked it. 
So, right, so there are some people who don't like it. I don't know who they are, but there there are there. some. Yeah, it runs uh, an hour and forty eight minutes. As we said, it's PG thirteen. It's labeled as a comedy sport movie. It is a Columbia Pictures, Relativity, and Apatow Productions. That name sounds familiar. And it won the best sports movie at the two thousand seven ESPY Awards. And Will Ferrell and Sasha Baron Cohen won best kiss at the two thousand seven MTV <laughs> Movie and. TV awards. So we know that people in NASCAR continuously quote Days of Thunder. My question is, and I think the answer is yes, do they also quote Talladega Nights? I think they have to, right? They, they must love this film. I would think so. I mean, even just, I want to go fast. Yeah, that's right there. Yeah. If you're not first, you're last, right? And uh, speaking of accents that I just horribly did, Sasha Baron Cohen won the Stinker Award for the most annoying fake accent for his French accent in this film. I'm going to say that was an acting choice on his part, is to make it super fake and and super obnoxious. I actually think this is one of his better roles. I would agree. I would agree. Yep. So that does it for this film. We watched it on Hulu, but if you have the Disney Plus bundle with ESPN, it is also available with your subscription to that service. So if you have either of those services, you can watch this film for free, or I'm sure you can get it on Amazon or Apple. And that will do it. I just want to make a quick note in the show notes there's a way for you to help support us in the podcast awards if you click on that link and go over you can vote for us for best film entertainment i think maybe it was film and tv podcast so if you're enjoying this and you feel so inclined we would appreciate a little love coming our way and additionally if you ever want to give us a call and ask a question you can even ask a question of superfan rj superfan lee superfan sandy i'm sure they would be happy to weigh in as well our phone number is 971-245-4148 if you have any ideas for movies we should do or themes for the month or just want to say hey that we would appreciate that so hey hey hey. as we close out this month of race films next month we are going to be talking about all films jean favreau to do my silly Uh, yeah i like jean favreau jean Jean gerard jean favreau yeah so like him or leave him but we're going to talk about four of his films in the month of august so join us for that next week and never forget dodges never stop and neither do the movies Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christy and Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to dodgemediaproductions.com. Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop, and neither do the movies. 